welcome back to another episode of the podcast. This is Joint Frequency with your host, Wesley St. Cyr. Today, Tuesday, August 13th, 2019, I have got my good friend here, Sir Nicholas Crowder. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing pretty good. Is this live? Is there a live audience? Oh, we're live, and the comments are rolling in already. Are they? What are they saying? They're saying Storm Area 51. Um, I'm down. Are you taking part in that? Um, I'm actually one of the officers leading the 2nd Brigade. We're going uh, on the left wing. Um, we don't have any guns, but we're going to pull our dicks out, and hopefully we're going to scare the guard. Dicks out for Harambe. Amen. I'm R. staying R. at the Little Alien Hotel out there in Rachel, Nevada. Uh-huh. I plan on climbing Tickaboo Peak. And, uh, Peak. That's what I call my city. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I saw Evan the other day. Yeah, he came through and played a few games of pickup at Redcliffe. Uh, is he still planning on moving in with you guys this coming year? Yeah, I think he's still planning. I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm yeah. pretty sure it's happening. Cool. I don't know the day yet, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. He's going to be like living right across the hall, I think. And okay. We got to churn up. For real. I have to come down there about every weekend. Yeah. So he he has like transferred and everything. And he yeah, he's got a, a bunch of paperwork done. We're just waiting on that uh, Matt DeWolf to turn 21, and then call it a good set. For real? Yeah. Today's broadcast is brought to you by CBD products. Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about those? Um, I basically have this uh, insert. You just shove it up your urethra, um, and the CBD just slowly releases into your system, and you feel real nice. I've tried the pills before. When I was uh, the anal pills, <laughs> or the the mouth pills. No, the ones that you put in your mouth. Oh uh, yeah, I guess you could do that too. Yeah, well, I got. <laughs> yeah, when I was staying uh, at my grandparents' house in Kalawasi, when I was watching their place. Where's Kalawasi? It's in uh, it's near Hilton Head. That's where I was like uh, the month before, like two months ago. Uh-huh. Uh, they live on that side of the island, and I was just like going to the pool every day, playing basketball or, like, golfing. Mm-hmm. Real, like, retirement living. It's pretty nice. Yeah, really like and that. before uh, Sherrod and Hank came down, I was at the gas station, and I saw that they had them there, and I didn't know that they were legal in South Carolina. I knew they were legal in North Carolina. And I tried them out, and I just felt, like, really mellow and, like, relaxed, and if I had any anxiety at all, I actually felt, like, I felt, like, tranquil. Mm-hmm. Like, tranquil is how I describe it. Yeah. It just kind of tones down all the noise in your head a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. A lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so? Tell me about your life. How, what are you doing for work right now? I started working at my dad's construction company, Carolina Contracting and Investments, mm-hmm. around two months ago. I... I was training to be a superintendent on the first job site that I was at in North Augusta, South Carolina. We built a plane of fitness there. Uh, it was a ground-up design build. What does that mean? Like, so you build like from the ground up, and it was designed by an architect. Okay. So instead of like a renovation or like uh, yeah, anything else, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I stayed at my grandparents on the other side of my family. So this summer, it's kind of weird. I've been like with my grandparents kind of a lot. So like reconnecting with the family. They like the parties? No, not at all. No, they're, they don't. They're like, they live on a farm out in bumfuck Egypt, Georgia. Hmm. Uh, it's like 40 miles away from the site. So okay. it's a bit of a drive, but it's kind of worth it to have them like cook and clean for you every day. Mm-hmm. I stayed out in the camper. Uh, they had like AC and full power and everything. Um, we would go to this restaurant down the street to get poutine every Tuesday. Poutine is like a Ooh. Canadian delicacy. I love me some poutine. Mm-hmm. It's this like gravy, fried, like hot dog, bacon, meat, like disgusting mosh pit of food. Something that, that really hits your soul. It's just amazing. It, it goes way for years. Right. <laughs> I got tired of it after a little while, but, I mean, those first couple of weeks, of, I felt right at home. Uh, so we finished that job like a week, three weeks ago. And now we're building another plant of fitness in Spindale, North Carolina, which is near Shelby. And now I'm doing, I'm, like, helping out the other super. So, like, the training is still kind of going on. Superintendent or superhero? Superhero. What'd you do? (laughs) 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 I I tried to pause it, but it didn't work. So we're going to keep going. Um, Yeah, like, the superintendent is, like, a a foreman or, like, a director, like, a assistant manager type thing. Okay. And, like, the pay is really good. It's, It's $15 an hour. Cover my gas and any expenses. I get like a per diem every day. It's like thirty-five dollars. So I basically get to eat for free every day because we're mostly going out. Yeah. Uh, And a little bit extra to like save. Uh, I get paid weekly. And all I've been doing is just stashing money away because I don't really have any expenses. Mm -hmm. And of most of that is probably going to go into the van which I've been working on at their place. Uh, I got more of the interior uh, figured out. Uh, I put in that headliner above the cab, which took forever doing it with, like, one person because you're trying to hold up, like, that, like, 10-pound. It doesn't – it's not actually 10 pounds, but it feels like it when you're holding your arms up there. Yeah. Um, well, let's explain to the good people uh, – like me, okay. So me and Wes, we tried to go on this little trip. We were uh, headed out west, manifest destiny style. Hopped in the van, and uh, that just broke. Yeah. And <laughs> drove it down washing pots, and it died. Yeah. So we didn't end up going on that trip. Had to bail on that one. Um, but we're gonna do another one real soon. Yeah. What's your ideal destination right now? Where's the next step, uh, place you wanna go? The next place I want to go that I haven't gone is like uh, Baja, California. Baja, California. What do you? What's that? It's white sand and like crystal clear blue water, mm-hmm. and it's like it's not desolate, but it kind of is. Yeah. Like there's like touristy other like van life people that go out there, um, but it's kind of like you've got a wide open beach rec area to yourself, and it's all like free public camping. And my parents were a little sketched out about it because it's Mexico, but, like, it's not, like, uh, what's that place called? South San Diego. Um, 
Tijuana or anything. Like, it's, it's nothing crazy. There's no cartel or anything that I know of. They got man ladies. Sunday <laughs> down with the Baja man ladies. Yeah. <laughs> I want to go to Canada on the next one, too. I plan to be gone for, like, a good chunk of time. Because mm-hmm. I've been home now for not a little, but a lot longer than I thought I was going to be initially. Yeah. Um, How long have you been home since you stopped, like, working? It's been, like, a South Carolina? Yeah, like, when did you get back? How long have you been in this house? I've been in this house, like, consistently since, like, like, Thursday of last week. Okay. Because I had been at the other side of the family, and I would come home for the weekends um, to, like, poop or, like, you know, play video games or whatever, but, like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, during the week, it was, like, 50, 60-hour weeks of just hot hell in Georgia. Um, yeah, it's good to be back, but I don't plan to be here for that much longer. My, like, short-term goal is to get the van running fully and complete, packed, and ready to go early of 2020. Mm-hmm. And then drive and then find somewhere to stop before I run out of money <laughs> and still have a good chunk saved along with some other that I can't touch for extended period of time, uh, work in a nice spot for a little while, and then get enough money to drive to the next spot and then have the same financial situation in the background yeah. in the new spot. And be gone for a year or so, probably, like plus or minus like one and a half years, mm-hmm. and that time would give people who would like to come visit, like uh, I would be open. I would have open availability. Yeah. So like, if my mom wanted to come, which she said she wants to, I don't really know how I feel about that, but for like a spring break or my sister for like Thanksgiving, you could pick any time you want. And I will host, cook, and all that shit. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to get people to come out and, like, uh, experience it a little bit. Um, Just try to have some good times. So what is, what's the long-term goal for the Life of West? What do you want to do, what do you want to be doing 10 years from now? That's a great question. So, within 10 years... Let's cut it to five, because okay. ten's a lot. Who knows how long we live? Because, like, five. Okay. <laughs> so, I'm 19. In ten years, I'd be 29. In five years, I'd be... Well, I'm about to be 20, so you might as well just call it 25. Mm-hmm. Within five years, I plan to have lived uh, the van life um, for, like, a good part of that, living in different parts across the country um, stashing the money and then working on like photography and like video making and uh, building that like personal brand with like the website and everything because if I could turn uh, like photography from a side hustle to like a main uh, end goal or whatever you want to call it I would like to see how far I can get with that in the next five years um, 
something I didn't tell you about is that, uh, or maybe I did, I don't know, that video I sent you of the drone for the Planet Fitness, did I, I, I sent you that, right? Yeah, I think so. So, that was a test run for, um, doing a video for their website, the Carolina Contracting Investments website. Did you get paid for that? Mm-hmm. Okay. I got paid, or I'm going to be paid already, but I've already taken the photos, the final photos for the job I did in Georgia. Yeah. So, and we've got like six more lined up to open within the next like two months. So, uh, I got $250 for that, that set of pictures. So, I got that, this store opening this week, and then the next one following, the next one following. So, I've got like, gigs or jobs lined up like right back to back to back after each other and I feel like that'll give me like a good enough like clients well I don't know if I like of course they're a great client because I also yeah. work for them but it'll show like other potential clients that I could that I've done professional work basically are you like using your phone to take like aerial pictures for them like like are you, what are you taking pictures of that way well, I've been using my like DSLR mm -hmm. for the first set of photos because I didn't have the drone at the time. Yeah. But then I got one, and they were like, we were actually looking for somebody that had a drone to shoot a video of the three sites that are all in this one uh, shopping center. They wanted to see all the work that they did within this small area, and I was like, I could do that easily. You know, just I just bought a drone like the other day. Give me some time to get good at it, and I'll, you know, do whatever you need. Um, I have taken a few photos with this, and they are kind of cool. Um, if you just take, it can go like 500 feet in the air with the RC controller, mm -hmm. and if you take it all the way up there, you can see the lake from above my house, and this was the picture I took the other day. For those of you that can't see, it's a picture. Indeed. <laughs> um, yeah, I think aerial photography is something I didn't intend to get into mm -hmm. but seeing like that's just like one example I've done some others with like like Jaton and stuff like that but um, it's pretty cool I, I didn't think I'd find myself getting into it because I didn't think I'd ever like have the money to like get a drone I didn't think I would uh, ever like get into photography or filmmaking like this much but yeah it's been like growing on me for a, a good while mm -hmm. and it's really cool that you share that same interest and you're going for it uh with your life i think the decision that you made to uh what were you going for before at app <laughs> paleontology <laughs> i think the fact that you switched from paleontology to filmmaking and then transferring to unc wilmington was so badass mm -hmm. that was like a power move well thank you i mean you were like i assume is paleontology gonna make me happy hell no and you realize that and you were like what is gonna make me happy what am i interested in i'm gonna do that and for you that is yeah well see here's the thing in this life you're just jumping off a cliff and you're gonna see what the fuck happens mm -hmm. and i feel like I can either grind my days away in an office job and then die, or I can do what I want and then die. And 
at the end of the day, do either really matter? That's a bigger question, but I might as well fuck around and have some fun, see what happens. I don't think it was a good financial decision, but if I'm financially stable and unhappy, then I don't really think being financially stable really matters that much. I mean, that's why, but... (laughs) Who needs money when you have memories of when you had money? That's true. That's that's one of my cousin's quotes that goes back to, like, last year. Shout out. I'm... (laughs) (laughs) Shout out Evan Webster, too. Yeah. I heard that guy has, like, a monster hog. (laughs) Dude, he's got a monster hog hanging off the back of his head. They're so long. I was talking about his dick. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back to that. Back Uh, to whatever. Um... So yeah, I think I have no idea what's gonna happen. I'm like I'm on I'm on track to get a film degree for sure. I don't think it's gonna be hard enough to where I'm not gonna finish out like the degree program. Mm-hmm. It's fairly easy, I guess, but the hard part comes after graduation, and you can either get a job working for some production company and you'll have stable pay and a place to go, or you're kind of just freelance, which is probably what's going to end up happening with me for mm-hmm. at least the first few years, and it's basically just, I hope I have a job this week, let me sign up for all this stuff and put myself out there, but I think the biggest struggle for me is just going to be networking. Mm-hmm. Networking is everything. I feel like I'm somewhat creative, and I've I seen this shit, you are. Thank you. But, I feel like I can make some good stuff, and I'm definitely doing good in school, so mm-hmm. that's not a problem. The biggest problem to me is just putting myself out there for people to like recognize what what I have and it's how I can be useful. It's a lot easier said than done for one. Yeah. There's so much like pressure on people nowadays with like social media and uh, I don't know, like being yourself. I feel like, um, but then at the same time, a lot of people once they get over that and they are just being themselves. They can be very successful for just doing what they like to do. Mm-hmm. Like Casey Neistat is like a good example of that. He didn't uh, graduate high school, and he just did the one thing that he liked the most, which was like filmmaking. And now he, I mean, I don't even have to go into that. Well, I think the key for all of those success stories is not whether or not you went to film school, or whether or not you did this or that. It's one hundred percent just do you wake up every day and just grind until you can't anymore because mm-hmm. I feel like in any profession that's what you really have to do to succeed but right. especially if you're making films and just anything creative mm-hmm. if you're not grinding so you can't grind anymore you're not going to be where you want to be at in 10 years yeah. and that's hard to do every single day so that's is. another huge challenge I'm facing is do I have the motivation to just like be creative all the time instead mm-hmm. of just being what's good in Minecraft, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's weird, because, like, I don't know, I feel like life, or, like, society, if you want to call it that, the big brother, the big man, they don't want you to be creative. Like, the whole, like, I'll say school system and, like, community is set up for you to work, like, that 9 to 5 and go into the rat race. Have you seen that rat race short film on YouTube that's, like, pretty popular? No. I'll have to show you. It's, it's pretty pretty neat. Like, 
what do you think about being raised in a public school system? Because, see, okay, I didn't tell you this. So I'm talking to this fine bitch named Miri right now. You call her a bitch. You call her a bitch. It was an endearing term. She's a wonderful person. Um, shout out Miri. What's good? And she <laughs> was homeschooled until and as a young child mm-hmm. and we talk about like the differences between being raised homeschooled versus public school and one thing she brought up which which is definitely true is just like the non human to human connection that a kid has in public school and just like an mm. absolute subversion of creativity that they experience. So what do you think that's had an impact on you in your life? So going into like I'm gonna jump skip all the way to like freshman year of high school at Huff, which was the last year of my experience in a public school before I transferred. Mm-hmm. I did not do very well at all that year. I failed like two classes, and I had to go to summer school for the first time, and I was like, holy shit. I feel like I let down my former self yeah. as like a kid, like it was dumbass, like looking or talking to your future self. Is this dumbass really in summer school? Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like if you get caught up in, like, the wrong situation or, like, habits when you start, I don't know, like, for me, it was that school year. It makes you really go bad. Um, but, I mean, you see a ton of people who make it out of public schools and do just fine. Like, uh, do you remember Megan Newman? I think so. It's like, her and I aren't really close or whatever, but we follow each other on Instagram. And her brother, who went to Huff, he's been, like, a best-selling author. He just got a new apartment in Manhattan, and he's writing books about, like, sci-fi, fantasy, and, like, who wouldn't want to do that? That's incredible. Yeah, so, like, I mean, and Luke May, he went to our high school. Dude's borderline MBA. Um, So there are a ton of people who go into public school and make it out and do great things, and... There are a ton of people who go to public school and fail and do a lot of other things. Yeah. Um, but I think it's definitely, it depends on the person and whether or not they want to be all that in school or maybe they don't realize how important it was until after they get out or this or that. But what I can tell you from like in charter being like a public private school, I felt like there was a lot more community in the smaller setting because we only had like a hundred, like fifty kids in our grade. Yeah. But then it takes you to that like Great Gatsby quote, like there's more privacy and bigger parties because everybody was in everybody's business. Like that. I at like in charter. Um and academically, I don't think there was a huge difference. Huff offered more classes, but like, I mean, there's still a lot of kids who went on to like bigger college names though too so let me ask you this what is your do you want kids first of all that's why i didn't want to answer your tenure question okay because there's that logic song where he goes uh definition of a life sentence when he's talking about having kids mm. and like it is and that's kind of in like a bad context but i want kids like yeah. i was raised in a very tight-knit family as were you i love your family's pictures with you like flicking off the camera but it's like <laughs> your ring finger and yeah. and then your sister's got like the demon look yeah well that's just what they explain <laughs> shout out 
um, family. Yeah, I, I want kids. Maybe like mm, plus or minus two. Okay. Well, two plus, but two yeah. like good. Because I think one like, uh, well, I can't say that because I'd be shitting on it. But like the stereotype for like single kids is like, uh, like ungrateful or like spoiled. Spoiled. Or yeah. Or, yeah. I mean, people. Yeah. I, I don't want to raise a kid without any siblings because mm-hmm. if I didn't have a sibling my life would be fucking garbage I feel like I already worse than it is <laughs> no, shout out Liz yeah we love you because there's because like when you were little you're fucking mortal enemies a little bit mm-hmm. but as you grow up like that's your person to talk shit about your parents with and mm-hmm. to like share things with that can relate to you because you were raised the same mm-hmm. so I don't I, if I do have kids i definitely don't want just one yeah i would i would want two plus but like they're so expensive i don't think i want more than three if i do i don't want more than three yeah and i definitely don't want kids in my 20s that's why i didn't want to answer your 10-year question i would so if you get kids at 30 Mm -hmm. they get out when you're 48 so i would take that I think my parents had me when I was, or when they were like 32, mm-hmm. so I w- they were 50 when I graduated. I don't know. Some people's argument is that they would rather have kids sooner in their early 20s so that they're younger when their kids graduate. But like, yeah. I don't. I think I'd rather be young and alone for a little bit long. Not alone, but like young Being and, and yeah, not having to work for a child. Yeah. Like, cause that's how a lot of people like they'll like give up on their dreams is like if they get a girl pregnant too early or if a girl gets pregnant early they have to immediately go to work and start making money for their blood sucking you know culture of a baby well let me tell you this story there's a kid that i've been pretty good friends with in one of my film classes and he's a he's a devout christian and so he ended up getting married i think when he was 21 maybe 22 and so he married this girl and very early he didn't end up getting into the film program and he was really he bummed didn't? he didn't because okay. you have to pass you have to get a certain grade in the first film class to get accepted into the program he got a b minus in the class Ooh. and he didn't get in and so he's like yeah i'm still gonna stay in wilmington and i'm still gonna apply to the film school like next semester and hopefully i get in and then we didn't talk for a little bit, and we just talked like a week or two ago, and he's like, hey, so I uh, got my wife pregnant, and because he's like a big, hello. Okay, yeah, so he got this girl pregnant, and because he's a devout Christian, abortion was like not an option for yeah, him. Yeah, not in the cards. Yeah, so he recently just told me like he moved back to his hometown, and he's pretty much just given up on the film school idea and Dang. has to find a job to support the family and this dude's 22 years old and he's just like his dreams are already shattered that's like a it's a heroic thing to do you know yeah. step up and be the man of the family uh, there's you know some instances the dads will leave yeah. prematurely um, you brought up a great topic to talk about uh, abortion mm-hmm. if you were him in 21 would you consider an abortion i would eat that baby so far <laughs> <laughs> uh, abortion would be like 
It's a big. I'm not. I'm joking around. Yeah, like, it's right definitely now, yeah. a big decision. Like I'm gonna kick her down the stairs. <laughs> but me, twenty year old Nick, right now, if I get a girl pregnant, I'm not raising a kid right now. No, and I think up to like a certain point, like if it's if we're like eight months in, and I don't know, she's like a smaller girl, and then boom, you know, you see she's getting a belly, but mm-hmm. you didn't realize it till it was too late. Yeah. I I still I still don't want to have it. But I might think a little bit differently at that point than yeah. if it was still a little like embryo or whatever. Okay, yeah. What I was talking about was like you found out you got pregnant soon mm-hmm. and it's just like a couple cells. But the ethics of wait to an abortion is really fuck with my mind. Yeah. Because like it's a baby, but it's not. It's not. It hasn't been birthed yet, but it will be. But mm-hmm. at the same time, so will this single cell that's starting to grow. It will be a baby. I mean, anything could happen in between. We don't know if it's a baby or a baby. If that's you want to, like, go super hypercritical. That's true. But once you're, like, seven or eight months in and, like, the baby's healthy and it's grown. It's like, starting to become a thing. It's starting to become a human. And at what point do you stop a human from existing to make your life better? Yeah, where does the line... It's such, or it's so confusing to think about. Because, I mean, if you birth a baby and it's the first day after it's being born and you just murder that baby, that's murder and that's not cool. Like, that's murder. a person. Mm-hmm. But if it's the day before that baby is born, is it still, like, it's still the same thing. I it guess that's changed. where the line is. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, so there has to be a time where it's cells versus a person and nobody can really answer that question that's why it's such a tricky topic who came up with abortion like it might be like thousands of years old but like who was like a caveman with a big stick (laughs) (laughs) i don't know but yeah that's yeah children i i don't want to have them in my 20s for sure probably early 30s i want my 20s to be about me and whoever i'm with Mm -hmm. i just want to like live life and experience like a good bit of things travel a good bit um outside of my five-year plan if i get the money and like the motivation so let's say like the if let's say the film making video photography doesn't pan out and it doesn't pay the bills something i love to do very much and very well could do every day is sports broadcasting. Mm. I watch Stephen A. Smith go back and forth with Max Kellerman every morning. They get paid to talk about basketball. I talk about basketball and I don't get paid for it. Yeah. Comma, yet. <laughs> so like if I were to uh, pick to go back to school to do something I would take the credits that I have and transfer to this university in uh, Florida called Full Sail which is like one of those like artsy like SCAD type of schools. But they have a really good sports broadcasting program, and they can put you in the right position to come out with a job to where you talk about basketball for a living. Like, if I'm going to choose something to do, it'd be that. Just like you chose something to do in filmmaking. Yeah. Well, I think that would be badass. Let me ask you this. Are you, like, trying to pursue a relationship right now? And how do you think you'd navigate that being 20 and wanting to, like, travel all over the country? That is great question and I haven't found the answer for it yet so like 
I was talking to this girl at SCAD when I was in South Carolina in Kalawasi. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we talked for, like, a little bit, but it didn't end up going anywhere because she had to go to uh, – her school year ended during the time I was there, and she went home to Oklahoma. Excuse me. And then when I was in Florida, I mean – not Florida, Georgia, at my other grandparents, like – I was working like five, six, seven days a week, and there's not very many opportunities that arise when you're working in construction to meet women. I swipe on Tinder. Uh I might have Bumble as well. Uh And when I come home for the weekends, I am conversing with these women. (laughs) But... You had any luck with Tinder? Like, how many dates have you gone on? I've gone on two dates. Two different girls, so like, okay. not very well. Yeah, I feel like it's definitely meant for universities. I've gotten a lot more matches when I'm on a campus, mm-hmm. um, and like the dates went well. It just like, I don't know. I guess it wasn't the right kind of situation. But the situation that I'm in right now, to where I want to find somebody to take off with me, yeah, it's kind of hard because that's a whole another bag of worms. Not only are you trying to find a good person to spend time with. Yeah, because, like, not a lot of people are that open-minded to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And, like, we're in a point in our lives where everybody's starting. Yeah. I'm trying to retire a little early and then go back into it. I want to be young and be able to move around and do dumb shit. Like, that trip my grandparents went on, I mean, shout out to them. Like, they've been meaning to that for a while, and they did it. But, no disrespect, like, they couldn't rock climb or surf or hike really even because, I mean, they're like 75-ish. I don't want to, like, retirement's overrated for me right now. I would rather die young than, like, retire and not be able to do anything. Mm -hmm. But I do plan to live to 100 so I can be a man that lives in three different centuries. It's only nine. 2021. Just preparing that. I saw that somewhere in like seventh grade in like a textbook, and I was like, I'm gonna do that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so like finding a woman to go across the country with me, one, that's hard. Yeah. Two, put her life on pause. That's, yeah. Unless it's something like, basically, what I'm looking for is like an art hoe that's looking to like freelance. And I think I need a. Freelance an art hoe, like, dude. (laughs) Right. So all freelancing art hoes out there, my phone number is, yeah. Um, anyway. Do you, like, at what, at what, what's the ratio of putting your life on pause that you're trying to, like, because if you find the right girl, but you're 20 years old, you're going to sacrifice some of your career and some of your aspirations, aspirations and progress to pursue but if it's the person that you want to spend the rest of your life with like do you is it worth it to you to put it depends on what I'd be putting on hold like um, uh, the type of girl I'm looking for even though it's filtered my search by so much mm-hmm. is the kind of girl that wants to do this sort of thing yeah. but I think I need to look in like older age groups to find somebody at a different point in their life. Mm-hmm. 
like maybe somebody that just graduated college is in the, and is looking to do something like that. But yeah, I depending on the girl and where I'm at, I'm most most likely you know things are gonna get put on pause. Mm-hmm. So to counter your question, you and this girl are speaking to each other that's frequently. Cor- that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> if so, let's say. Two years goes by, and you're about to graduate. Oh no, there she is, right on cue. Look at that. Um, and things are going well. Mm-hmm. Do you plan? Would you ride it out with her? You know, into the sunset. Well, I guess you have to say yes now because I put it on the podcast. Well, no, because here's the thing. I. This is gonna. We can cut. No, 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 no. <laughs> this is what I was gonna say. It's just gonna sound really stupid because. Being, I don't know if it's, this is what caused me to be a film major, or I do it because I am, but movies influence me and my life so much, and so do podcasts, because I listen to a lot of podcasts. Shout out Joe Rogan. Daddy, All hail Joe Rogan. Big daddy chimp, Joe Rogan. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but, so, the movie Yes Man with Jim Carrey. Oh, it's ridiculous. It's fucking God of a Jim man. Carrey. All hail Jim Carrey. God, that man. Anyway, um, but just saying yes to shit. That is something I'm trying to do so much more. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask me to go do something and I say no, I'm going to sit at home and not have any more life experience. I'm not going to have any fun. I'm not going to do anything. Like, anything at all. If I don't want to do it, just mm-hmm. fucking say yes. Like, mm-hmm. just go do stuff you don't want to do. Because that's the only way you're going to have fun. And that's the only way you're going to make experiences and meet new people. And so when it comes to, like, any relationship like that, like, I feel like I really don't need a lot to be happy in my life in Mm -hmm. terms of, like, career and, like, making a lot of money or anything. So, I'm, like, in terms of putting things on pause for a relationship, I'm always going to say yes to that. Because I'm into more, like, spiritual stuff, too. Mm -hmm. And about, like, what's important to me is just happiness in the moment. I'm not going to, like, if I really like somebody, I'm not going to just say, oh, that's cool, but also, 20 years from now, I could be happy if I work on my career right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pursue whatever I'm pursuing right now, because that's what makes me happy right now. And to not do that for planning purposes, I feel like is very silly. And I understand why some people do that, but I think we're all a little bit lost in the game of life, and everybody's just trying to grind and grind and grind. But then when you get to the end of the line, you look back and go, damn, what could have happened to that relationship if I didn't work so hard on my job or mm-hmm. anything like that? So I'm I'm pretty much always going to invest as much as I can into a relationship because not doing that is only going to leave me with regrets, I feel like. That was a hell of an answer. Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, relationships are a very strong and valuable thing. Like you were saying, networking, to take it uh, to a different direction, like, it's not necessarily about what you know, but, like, who you know. Like, uh, yeah. Rich Paul, who's, like, an agent in the NBA, he represents, like, LeBron James and, like, some other big names. Like, he didn't graduate from college or anything. He's got a, you know, high school diploma or whatever. But, like, n- not a lot of other people in his position would be as successful as he is. But mm-hmm. as he knows, LeBron James, you know best basketball players ever so and like the thing with my dad and getting the photography work like he opened the door for me 
mm-hmm. so like start to um, you know try out this whole side hustle thing like if I could steadily work on getting my work out there and get uh, like re- good references that yeah he does good work in photography I could extend to like walk into local coffee shops and do the whole freelance thing where like hey you know your pictures are all right but I could do them better let me mm-hmm. let me give me the opportunity I'll, I'll try it out or whatever so you turn that to a way for kids to use things that like and like a total cynical point of view like relationships are valuable and they can take you to good places I guess Okay. They can help you follow your dreams, and that's kind of what mine is to be on the brighter side of things. And you don't like just navigating the world of relationships at 20 years old is fucking hard enough. But like you can't, you can't place all your happiness on another person because that's only going to end in failure and sadness. Yeah. So, like that's the struggle because you have to find ways to make yourself happy. You can't pin that on the other person. But at the same time, if you're in like a loving relationship, they're gonna make you a lot happier than you can by yourself. Mm-hmm. And there's gonna be like struggles and everything, but finding somebody that you can spend time with and that can like help you through all your problems, I think, is one of the most valuable things you can do in this world. Most definitely. Let's let's get even deeper, Wes. Oh, let's do it. Um, tell me about your current viewpoints on what you would call God. So blunt. Okay. Right. So like you said, you're becoming more spiritual. You you were reading. <clears throat> Sorry to interrupt, but I'm sitting here in post. It's about 20 minutes after Nick has left. We did finish the podcast, although I was going back through my voice memos and I was seeing some sketchy uh, form of glitches going on. I couldn't play or see the audio from my hour and a half track that Nick and I did before cutting and going to a different recording. I had looked at message boards online and other people were having the same problem. Fortunately, I got the first 40 minutes of it. That's what you did just heard. Uh, there's another 40 that we basically lost unless I cut this and I'm saying something else later to where I found it. But uh, you're not going to hear my answer for Nick's godly question, but we are going to cut to where Nick and I started getting into movies. So here is that right now. So Nick, Mm -hmm. did you see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Yeah. Um... (laughs) So, you asked me before and the thing cut out. So, when I left the theater with my parents, they said they didn't like it. They said it was too long and too slow. And I said, that was kind of the point. Quentin Tarantino drops you in the 1960s and gives you a couple different main characters. And then the whole movie is them going on about their lives in the time period. And eventually they all come together in the end. Which is, I mean, just like... uh, Pulp Fiction and Inglorious Bastards and so on and so forth. But the diff, I related um, this to Inglorious Bastards and how in the title I didn't realize, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, how literal he was being. 
Like mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time was a 1950s. And this historical current event in my universe went a little differently. And I think that was really cool. And I think, I mean, he set up the 60s the right way. I felt like I was there. I felt the characters were great and really interesting. Other than Sharon Tate, she was, uh, she didn't have very much to give out of the movie, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Or, I feel like it was, uh, like I've seen Margot Robbie do more complicated roles. Yeah. This seemed a little easier for me. Her role like, in the movie was definitely was small. But the whole thing was about her, really. Her, so, you know, her death being rescripted. Yeah. Have you, because I actually listened to this podcast called Show Me the Moon. It's, you know, the YouTube channel Wisecrack? Mm-hmm. So they have a podcast called Show Me the Meaning where they have, like, a breakdown of many popular movies. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of them are, like, philosophy majors, and so they get into, like, the actual meanings of things. Okay. But they basically were talking about how Tarantino movies don't really have a plot, typically. Mm-hmm. And it just so follows, like, like yeah, history. So like what you're saying about, like, Pulp Fiction and stuff. Mm-hmm. They're just following characters around for their day-to-day lives and basically filming it. Was Pulp Fiction based off something real? I don't think so. I, don't I think, think that so. was just a story. Yeah. Th- this one was based off mm-hmm. of something real. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that a lot of people's complaints about the movie was that there just wasn't enough happening. And but then in the just, end, like, yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, so much happened. That's what a lot of people were saying, too, is that like the last 15 minutes blew their mind, but the first two and a half hours were just kind of slow and I, not look, a lot going on. I liked being in the 60s for two and a half hours, though. That's what I liked about the movie is, like, so the reason that people don't like it is the reason that people uh, the reason that I like it. And you yeah. have to know, like, Quentin Tarantino, I feel like. Yeah, it's, he's definitely an auteur, pretentious word of the day. Indeed. Um, Please define using three or five words. Um, that doesn't make sense. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's so, like, uh, like, romantic, the way he, like, sets everything up. Not that there was a romance going on in the thing, but the way he went about the movie. It's him jerking off to his own ability to make a film. Yeah. He's just like, look what I can do. I can do nothing, and it'll still be a fantastic film. And that's kind of what he did. That's very true. It was just, you're following Leonardo, uh, Leo DiCaprio around. You're just watching him thrive and watch him struggle with his acting it. career a little bit. And he kind of grows a little bit. But at the end of the day, like they just go back home fuck up some Charles Manson followers and that's the end. They just yeah. keep talking. And Sharon Tate, spoiler, does not get killed in the movie. And I, that's what you were saying about the title is like a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And oh, this is that's what he does too. And he, he makes history into like a more fantasized version of itself. And he changes history. You know, in like his with Django. Universe. That's not historically accurate at all. No, like he did not go back in guns blazing and fuck up all the plantation right. and like Inglorious Bastards. Like obviously World War Two happened. Yeah, they didn't kill Hitler in a theater like that. But mm-hmm. the way he does things is just super interesting, and I lo- I really like the aspect of just mm-hmm. following characters around. Yeah. So yeah, he did a really good job of it. I think it was pretty good. I definitely need to watch it again to like form a better opinion. Mm-hmm. But did you watch the Easter egg breakdown? I don't think that I did. Yeah. I know the Red Apple Cigarettes thing was, yeah. like, a thing in all of his movies mm-hmm. that he does. I saw that. But, yeah. I thought it was really good. I've only seen that, Inglorious Bastards, Pulp Fiction, and a little bit of Kill Bill. And I feel bad that I haven't seen everything else. I've seen Django. I haven't seen The Hateful Eight, which that's fairly new. That is one of my least favorite Tarantino movies. Oh, yeah? 
but things have given me so much there's so much suspense that it just gives me anxiety oh really yeah and it's definitely super violent and oh yeah it's kind of like a it's basically like uh, did you ever read and then there were none in school I, I think, think you had so. to read that in middle school. It's like a murder mystery, basically, mm-hmm. that follows like a group of twelve people in one house, and you have to like find out who did it, and, like that's this whole cool. story evolves. And so that's basically what that movie's about. Um, there's a little twist on it, but yeah, it's not my favorite, but it definitely follows. It, it's more of a narrative, I'll say. So it's like one of those who did it novels, is what you're saying, like Kinda, mysteries. Yeah. You just are introduced to a handful of characters and slowly learn more about them, and like people start dying. And mm-hmm. Yeah, but I don't know. What's your favorite Quentin Tarantino movie? I think I have to go Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I did the most pretentious move and had a poster of him, of of that movie. Yeah, you did. In my college dorm. I didn't see that till a couple months ago, (laughs) and I was like, holy shit, this is really fucking good. Yeah, that's a really good movie. That's like the quintessential, like, I'm a film student. Have you seen Pulp Fiction? Like, people (laughs) are like, I actually enjoy cool movies, but... Yeah, I think that's probably my favorite. I love the soundtrack, too. Yeah. That's one of my favorites. So I was going through my notes, thinking about what to say, mm-hmm. and this note says, podcast, question mark, um, name, joint frequency. Mm-hmm. Check. I like that name. Matt came up with it. Yeah. I think he told me that. <laughs> <laughs> and so, like, Joe Rosen's, his has got, uh, obviously, the camera set up, too. And Jamie takes care of all that. And I don't plan on doing, like, that. Definitely not every time. I think streaming is just, like, so much easier, the audio. Um, but when I do put, like, a camera to it, I've got the GoPro, like, mount on the dashboard of my car. And because uh, it's, like, the fishbowl eye, you can see both people mm-hmm. talking back and forth. And then if I put another one, like, out the front window, you can see that we're driving out in, like, the middle of the desert. Um, that's where I started, like, really getting into Joe Rogan after you, sh- you're the one that showed him to me, like, we went on that backpacking trip, which we need to do again. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I would actually watch him while driving, I'd put it over the speedometer on YouTube, and I remember him talking about, like, uh, the moon conspiracy theory, and, like, aliens and shit while driving out in the middle of nowhere, and I thought that was the coolest thing ever, and that's kind of why I wanted to do this, to, like, have conversations with good people in cool spots, you know, everywhere, I guess. Mm-hmm. I've been kind of hesitant to, like, ask people to do this. Um, I caught up with Caleb Gass. Do you remember him? The name sounds very familiar. He went to Huff and Lincolnfelder. Uh, he transferred, I think, at the same time or right after I did. But um, we caught up and we got coffee because we didn't see each other in a little bit. And we were, we were friends in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I wanted to ask him if I could record this conversation, but it just sounded weird. Yeah. I caught up <laughs> with a quality assurance. Right. <laughs> I caught up with an old teacher of mine from Lincolnfellow a couple weeks ago. We went kayaking really? and got coffee as well, and that was really cool. Hmm. Uh, it's cool to pick the brain of, like, somebody. I don't know, that's just, like, a lot older than you. I, I like to do that. Or like my dad's friends or coworkers, you get a lot from like hearing what mistakes old men have made. Not that my teacher made a lot, but I, I wanted to ask him, can I record our talk? 
I just don't have tools. Yeah. I mean, because I'm really into podcasts, so I was down to do this. Right. And, like, and this I don't know if other a lot of other people are. Exactly. Like, it's kind of, it is kind of weird to ask somebody, like, hey, can I record this conversation for everybody else to hear? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that's one of those things that you just have to do. And if they say no, like, okay, continue. Right. And then say, and a no is the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, there's not a lot of risk in that situation. Like, you're not going to be like, yeah. oh, how dare you? I'm leaving. Like, But I feel very good after being in the middle of this because now I sort of know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And, like, me and Matt, Matt would come over like Christmas break of last year, like almost every night we'd, we'd smoke out on the front porch and talk. And that's when I was listening to Joe Rogan like every day. So like my speech was, a, and I was taking the public speaking class too. So like I was so well-spoken during that time. And like, I would like finish my rant and I'd be like, damn, <laughs> that was good. I think one of my biggest personal shortcomings right now that I'm trying to work on, I say that I'm trying to work on, but I don't know if I really am. Mm-hmm. I guess I am by doing this right now. I am not a conversationalist like I want to be. I'm not either. And, like, I know I can be. I just, I'm, like, holding myself back. I'm not as confident as I used to be or wish I was. And it entirely depends on my mood, too, because sometimes I'm just being a a fucking king of the world. I can go on and on about any subject. Right. But I'd say a majority of the time it's just I don't have that much to say. Yeah. And I wish that I did more. Sometimes my brain is just, like, not firing. That happened to me for, like, part of this. I, I dealt with a lot of, like, anxiety when I first started that new job mm-hmm. because technically, I mean, I was in a position of power. I was technically in management, but I was in training. And when I got there, throughout that whole first job, I didn't have anybody telling me what I should be doing. It was basically figure it out as you go along. And people would come to me and ask questions, and I, like, a lot of times I didn't have an answer, and I felt stupid for not having an answer. Even though, I mean, some things I'm knowledgeable about in the world of construction, but not when it's what it has to do with what you're doing today in regards to, like, the plans, because I hadn't really uh, gone into them very So, yeah, talking to people is hard. It's weird. When you, hold, when you like, hold yourself, I don't know, you got to, like, uh, be yourself, spread your wings, all that bullshit. Yeah, and it's really hard when you have things on your mind. Right. And, like, it, it's all about, like, this brings back to Buddhism, too, is you have to be in the moment, not of the moment. You have to be present in the conversation and be taking in what the other person has to say. Because this is my problem, too, is a lot of the time when people are talking to me, I'm literally just, <laughs> I'm I'm not thinking about, I'm not processing what they're saying as much as I should be or listening to what they're saying. I'm just thinking, thinking about, about your own. what am I going to say next? Right. Like, and that is not the way to have a good conversation. If you are depressed, you're living in the past. If you are anxious, you're living in the future. If you're at peace, you're living in the present. Can you just come up with that? Indeed, on the spot. Oh, wow, that's incredible. Yes, I'm quite a philosopher myself. Hmm. I, screen- <laughs> I screenshot quotes. Uh, okay. <laughs> that one related to what we had to say. Yeah. But what were we talking well, about? Well, how do you feel about Eastern philosophy 
and like what do you think about Buddhism as a religion? I'm not very well read on Buddhism, but I know that um, it's doesn't have as many, I guess, like attachments as like Christianity has to like following a certain set of rules. It's more spiritual and about like living your life how you want to do it. Does that kind of sound right? Yeah. Well, see, I get just being wasn't listening to what you're just saying. I was oh, just thinking about. Okay, so just tell me what Buddhism is. Okay, so the basic like I'm gonna fuck this up. Sorry, Buddhists. Sorry, Buddha. I like to talk about it a lot, so I think I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't at all. So <laughs> those are his words. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, like the I- the main idea is that existence is suffering, and the only way to end suffering is to cease all attachment with all things. And so you have, I think it's the four noble truths are like life is suffering. Um, to be ha- like to end suffering is to separate from attachment. Then there's one other one, mm-hmm. and then the other, the last one I think is you have to follow the eightfold path. And I can't even begin to recite the eightfold path, but it's like the way you're supposed to live your life as a Buddhist, and a lot of it is just focused on like you are not yourself. When yeah. you think of me, when I sit here and go, I am me. That's not me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm. Those those are the the inputs in the world that are keeping me alive right now. Like I don't need to eat right now. I'm not thinking about procreating. Those are all biological influences that are like completely controlling all of my decisions and all of my thoughts. Yeah. And what's a really good like philosophical question and it kind of relates to Buddhism is like what is a person? So if you have like a bike and you take the front tire off, you just have a bike without a front tire. But then you take the back tire off and there are handlebars and you have to look around. It's like, oh, that's the bike. Mm-hmm. But you keep going and you keep, at what point is that not a bike? So at the same point, what point am I me? Mm-hmm. If I take my entire body away and I'm just my brain, that's kind of me, but I'm still getting biological influences all in my thought. Like, at where is the me within me? And the answer is who fucking knows. <laughs> I've like, heard, yeah. That's a lot of reason that meditation is so powerful. Have you meditated? Do you try meditating? Yeah, and I like to say that I do, mm-hmm. but I don't nearly as much as I should. Like, I probably haven't meditated in, like, weeks. Yeah, I'll week do it, two. like, mm, like point eight times a month. Yeah. <laughs> So I feel the same way, but I definitely want to do that more because it's really it. I haven't ex- experimented with consistent practice, and I think that's where you yeah. find the benefits. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's definitely the move. <laughs> I've heard a lot of what you've been saying from Duncan Trussell. Mm-hmm. I feel like you. That that's a dude right there. That's yeah. a dude I can fuck with. Mm-hmm. I like what he has to say. Um, one of what he one of one of the things that he said that you are also sort of saying is like. I am not my body, mm-hmm. but that's how, like, people refer to you as this meat bag of flesh, yeah. but you're so much more than that. Like, you're, you're the brain. You're the consciousness. The consciousness. That's driving this meat sack. That's right. all we are. <laughs> um, what did you say before? Before I said something about Dr. Trust. Um, uh, let me pause okay. and think of something to say. Every po- okay, Pete, yeah. Pete Holmes. Pete Holmes is another 
stand-up comedian, but he's also an avid podcaster. And he ends every podcast with the same question is, when is the last, or when is the time that you can think of that you laughed the hardest? I think that's a, a great question. That is a great question. Do you have an answer? You first. <laughs> I don't. When, any time in your life that you can think of just something hilarious, just something that really got you. I don't know. You know, like those moments, uh, they're very significant in the moment mm-hmm. to where you were, you know, laughing so much your sides hurt. Yeah. But you can't remember it. Like, you, you know, you remember the feeling and it was very good. Yeah. But I don't remember exactly the last time. And, like, I had one that was recent, like, like maybe last week. But I couldn't tell you. I just remember feeling good that one time last week. I'm trying to think of this time. Me and Evan were under the influence of something for legal reasons. Only God knows. (laughs) And there was something about me and him just stacked up a plate of some very unhealthy food. Just like snacks and shit and like chocolate milk. And we kept like, I think, stealing things off each other's plate and we were like playing this little game and we went back and forth and this was probably in like high school mm-hmm. like 10th or 11th grade and it was just like me and him at like 3 a.m just fucking around in his kitchen and i just remember being like so influenced and just <laughs> dying like onto the floor laughing at the stupid shit we were doing yeah and it's just a good memory I've, a lot of those funniest moments were probably hanging out with the guys through middle school high school Let me change the question. Let me change the question. Make it a little easier. Can you remember a time? Such a depressing note to end on. (laughs) But let's ask the opposite. Can you remember a time where you were just in just a really rough spot? And if so, what brought you out of it to make it a little happier? I've got a good one. Okay. So. It's sad that that's a lot easier to think of. Right? But it is. I got to answer, like, right away. I know exactly. Okay, go ahead. So, I was... uh, running out of money in California. Mm-hmm. I was already nearing the end of what I had in my bank account. But everything in California is so much more expensive. Like, I was paying, like, I don't know, like, 0.5 extra on, like, gas. And food was so much more expensive. This and that. Taxes. So I was running out of money quick, and I needed to find a job. And I was 17 at the time. And most places in California, I heard this from my, like, extended uncle who lives there, who was going to try to help me out and get me a job, but he couldn't because I was underage. Uh, so at that point, I was, like, sitting in this parking lot, didn't know where to go or what to do, so I couldn't, uh, you know, pay to go do anything. And so I was sitting in the car, and I didn't know what was going to happen from there. I kind of thought I was stuck in California, which isn't the worst place to be stuck, but regardless. And I, I had never felt, I don't think I'd ever felt as much anxiety before. Or just like, yeah, probably that. So, I went to Krispy Kreme, and I got donuts. Mm-hmm. And that worked for like a second. <laughs> and it, I kept feeling like, I didn't know what to do. I felt like I was... Uh, kind of trapped. Right, especially yeah. like in a hot car in yeah. August. Um, so I went to go see Spider-Man... Homecoming, mm-hmm. and then I got out of the car and I still didn't know what to do because I was waiting on a response from this guy who 
is in my family, but he was out of town, so it was kind of hard to communicate. Yeah. Um, and then I go to play basketball at this school, and I still like I play basketball. So like, that's a form of meditation for me, and still couldn't shake it. Mm-hmm. And showering is huge when you're living out of your car. And that school had an Olympic pool out back, mm-hmm. and I went around. And I was like, okay, the gate's going to be locked. Yeah. It was open. Ooh. I stripped down to my underwear, and I dive into this cold, cold, refreshing water after, you know, being hot and sweaty, playing outside. And, oh, my God, instant relief. I felt a thousand times better. Yeah. And that's my answer. Some kid probably got an infection in that pool because of you. <laughs> an infection? <laughs> probably real dirty, too. Man. <laughs> in my life and he just sits down and goes Nick we're living in paradise bro and he basically explained the same thing that I explained earlier and about how as good as it gets yeah this is like take a breath of fresh air and look around this shit is so 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 serene Mm -hmm. like this is we're living in paradise it's beautiful you would really like that documentary on Netflix do you have a Netflix yeah One Strange Life okay it's It's like a 10-episode thing where each like an hour, so I spread it across it. Yeah. It was fire. Yeah, I think that's it, man. I think that's how... I think we just need to let the world fucking know that... Just go outside and take a breath of fresh air, because this shit is magical. You should not exist, and you do. How about we're destroying our own Garden of Eden? That, too. Like, that's really sad. We got, what, like 12 years before... Uh, climate change is irreversible. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. What do you say? Eleven. Eleven now. Yeah. Well, look, the clock's ticking, people. Yeah. I'm not gonna do anything about it, but like y'all should. Right. <laughs> I was watching. Have you uh, Running Wild with Bear Grylls? I have never seen that. He takes like celebrities out on like two day expeditions and like sleeps overnight. It's super entertaining because I watched Bear Grylls growing up, and that's kind of why I wanted to do like travel outdoors in national parks and shit and he took during his presidency he took out Obama and I didn't know that and they went out to Alaska and they uh, came across this uh, I think they called it a ice lake or a glacier field mm-hmm. I- ice field is what it was called okay. and it showed that from the start of his presidency in 08 to where it's at now it lost like 200 yards of yards tall mm-hmm. so like he got a visual representation of climate change and he backed it up with all his political mumbo jumbo yeah uh, but it was really entertaining to watch I highly recommend that show What are you working on, Nick? What am I working on, Nick? Yeah, what you got going on? Plug your shit. I and then I got a shit edit. going on. Yeah. <laughs> Check me out three years from now. Yeah, that's right. Um, I 
Do you have a message for your future self three years in the future? So I have a message, like, three years ago, Nick, would probably say the same thing to me, but it's not helping, but I'm going to say it again. (laughs) Stop fucking stressing about all this little shit that you're stressing about, because it does not fucking matter, and it'll resolve itself. I think, I don't know if I'm extra lucky compared to some people, but shit always seems to work out, and I think that's just a universal rule, and, like, shit works out. If something happens that makes you sad, like, you're gonna be stronger because of it, and if something happens that's a great thing, it's a great thing that happened to you, like... It's all about how you handle it. Yeah. Everything that happens to you, you can grow from and uh, put positive spin on it, but future Nick, everything's gonna be fine. Current Nick, prediction, everything's gonna be fine. (laughs) (laughs) One more question before I let you go here, Nick. Okay. What's good in your life? What's good in my life? There's this bitch named Miriam Carr. She's pretty sick. Shout um, out, Miriam Carr. I'm very excited to traverse this college career and to see where that takes me. There's a lot of new experiences that I'm probably going to experience in that career. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of shit that I have to figure out. And on one hand, I'm not looking forward to it because that's a big decision. It's a lot of big decisions that I have to make that are going to influence the rest of my life. But at the same time, works out so we'll see what happens cool all right nick i'll be seeing you down at wilmington in like a month or so maybe five weeks uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and we should do this again all right sounds good all right much love bye everybody <laughs> all right <laughs>